Welcome to the OSHA for Teens podcast, a show where I team up with a thought leader and we discuss a new topic question that will help you better understand your teens. I'm your host, Mark Tucker, co-author of OSHA for Teens and its accompanying workshop kit and curriculum. This super easy to facilitate, life-changing material is being used by folks just like you throughout the United States and beyond. Head to OSHIFT.com and choose one of the many ways you can become involved in this worldwide movement. So glad to have you with me again this week, and I'm so excited about today's show. I have the uh, Executive Director of After School Alliance, Jody Grant, on the show, and we just had a conversation, and what a timely uh, topic for us as we talk about after-school programs and how important they are. And of course, uh, Jennifer Powers and I are always uh, supporters of after-school programs because, um, you know, in the character development genre, we're very involved in that with all of our curriculum. But um, wonderful conversation with Jody Grant that uh, we'll get right to. But in the meantime, I want to uh, alert all of our friends out there that Jennifer Powers and I are, are going to be awfully busy this year getting out and presenting O-Shift to audiences around the country. Uh, and I would like for you to be part of that if you have a conference, a training, that you want a dynamic, engaging, wonderful uh, speaker at. You probably have already heard Jen presenting O-Shift yourself, and so you know the power, you know the uh, tools that she delivers. Uh, email me at mark at oshift.com and get on our schedule because that'll be filling up fast. We'd love to... Being your part of the country, your neck of the words, delivering O-Shift and changing lives um, with your audience. So let me know, mark at O-Shift.com, and uh, we, can, uh, we can get on the phone and work it out. Now let's get right to this uh, conversation that I had just a little while ago with the executive director of the After School Alliance, Jody Grant. My guest today is Jody Grant. Jody Grant is the executive director of the After School Alliance a nonprofit public awareness and advocacy organization working to ensure that all children and youth have access to quality, affordable after-school programs. She has also served as Director of Work and Family Programs for the National Partnership for Women and Families and worked on Capitol Hill as General Counsel to the Senate Budget Committee. Jody Grant received her law degree from Harvard University and currently serves as a trustee of the America's Promise Alliance and as an advisory board member of Time Warner Cable's Connect a Million Minds campaign. Jody Grant, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Mark. At Time Warner Cable, I need to fix my bio. They're gone. They've been bought out. Oh, really? That's too bad? I know. (laughs) And what's the Connect a Million Minds campaign? What was that? So it was um, the Connect a Million Minds was a brilliant campaign that they had, which was really trying to encourage our youth to get excited about careers in STEM. STEM. And so it was a lot of, you know, hands-on STEM education in the after-school space where we worked very closely with museums, with FIRST Robotics, with other programs that work in out-of-school space to get kids to think that science is cool and fun, which, of course, it is when it's taught in that way. It is cool, (laughs) although I was was never terribly good at it myself. See, that's exactly the attitude we're trying to change. I mean, kids kids are instinctively good at science. They are. They just have to, you know, learn it in a way where it's relevant and it's relatable. And if you're, like, getting dirty and you're building things, it all comes alive. And I would say, you know, one of the other things we really love about science is it's, 
youth development at its best. It's collaboration. It's working with others. It's deciding that when something doesn't work right, that that's a learning experience. It's not failure. Um, it's yeah. getting kids out of their comfort zone. So, um, so it's, it's really fun, and I'd have to say that you know, STEM education is something that I like to say is exploding in the after-school space because it really is a great opportunity to teach our kids and excite our kids and prepare them for the careers that are out there. Right. No, and, and you're right on. I mean, if I look back at my own science experience, it was it was kind of boring, and I felt like, gosh, that shouldn't be boring. I taught social studies, and it was kind of the same thing when I was in school. Social studies seems so boring, but it really shouldn't be. And, it shouldn't so, be. I have, yeah. I have a daughter that's studying American history right now, and if you follow what's going on in American politics now and you compare it to our history, it is fascinating. And so the relevancy of where have we, you know, had similar challenges in our history um, makes it come alive. But, but you have right. to take that step, right? You have to see why it pertains to our lives today. Relevance is what yes. you're talking about. Yes. Yeah. Well, for my listeners, I, I want to uh, just real quick uh, let you know that our topic today is why is after-school advocacy so important for teens and parents? And I love this topic, of course, because a lot of uh, what's happening that, that's really exciting for kids is happening, happening in that after-school arena. And uh, so what, what, what was it that got you involved in after-school? After-school. So I would say all of my life I've been really interested in equity and opportunities, civil rights. And when I was a college freshman, I spent my summer working in an after-school program. And when we talk about after-school, we're talking about before-school programs, after-school programs, summer programs, and many of the summer programs are affiliated with year-round programs. I worked with middle school students, and my job was to teach English. But of course, in after school, you don't teach English. We're talking about relevancy. So my kids and I wrote a newspaper. And the kids would come up with the topics, and they would research the topics. And, you know, I'm a little older, so in those days we didn't have computers, so we would type things up, and then we would cut and paste them and go to Kinko's and print out our newspaper. And, of course, throughout the process, we were working on all of their English skills, but it didn't feel like a traditional English class. I learned so much from the kids, and it really opened up my eyes to the power of education, and particularly informal education in the non-traditional school space. And then I said, you know, I went to law school, and while I was in law school, I was a big sister and big brothers, big sisters, and I also did a lot of work with incarcerated youth. And I think, sadly, you know, many, many of our kids that are incarcerated, if they had the right environment and access to high-quality after-school programs, they wouldn't be incarcerated in the first place. You know, many of them have learning disabilities that haven't been addressed. So that's also been a passion point of mine. And then I had this career in Washington where I went to the Senate Budget Committee because, as we know, you can't do things without resources and to make sure we were trying to get resources to the right programs. And then I began working on work-family issues in the nonprofit world, and when this job opened up at the After School Alliance, it was my dream job, and I applied for it, and fortunately for me, I've been here for 12 years, and hopefully I've helped make a difference for the millions and millions of kids in our country that have benefited from after school programs. Well, obviously you have, and I'm, uh, one, one of the questions, and I want to talk about resources in a minute, but what advantages do after school programs have that schools don't have? So that's a good question. You know, I always think of after school as 
supplementing and enhancing what happens in school. It's not, you know, an either or. Um, kids obviously need both. But what happens in the after school space is much more of what you would consider the traditional enrichment. So a chance for kids to really explore their passion with a second set of educators who may or may not be school teachers um, and um, in an environment where they're not being graded and they're not being judged and there's much more opportunity for instant feedback. So, um, you know, sometimes you have the math teacher who's teaching you know, a dance class. Um, and you know, we have so many stories where whether it's um, school day teachers in after school space or people from the community, some of our partners, whether it's boys and girls clubs or WISE or a local library working with kids, um, I think it's a chance to really develop a curriculum that is based on the kids' interests and the kids' passions and then provide some extra help. I'd also say, you know, many of the kids in the federally funded programs, there's other resources we can provide to them. So once you have the infrastructure of after school, um, it might be, you know, meals is a big deal. So, you know, far too many of our kids are hungry. So being able to serve them meals um, in the summer, it might even be three meals a day. Being able in some places we might be bringing in doctors or dentists or other professionals to really complement, you know, what's happening while we have the kids there. And I'd say, you know, for each group of kids, it depends on age, too. You know, what you're doing with younger kids is going to look very different from older kids. For some of our older kids, it's jobs, internships, apprenticeships, um, a chance to really explore careers that they may well go into when they graduate. Uh, When I think of after school, and you think about the many, many different programs throughout the country that are serving this after school market. And it's a wonderful, and that's what we do. I mean, really with O-Shift, right. do you feel like sometimes that it, we should be more focused on the skills that we're working on? Or do you, do you like the diversity of after-school opportunities? I love the diversity of after-school opportunities. And I love the fact that every single community, no matter how large or how small, is you know, in the best possible way, looking at what are the needs of the kids and what are the resources that we have here to yeah. work with those kids. So I would say, you know, we have some, some places where it might be on a reservation and part of the after-school curriculum is teaching about Native culture, you know, Native language. Um, we might have, you know, another location where, you know, it's a rural area and you have a child that wants to learn Chinese, but there's no Chinese language instructor during the day, so they're doing it online. And then the after-school program's finding someone in the community that speaks Mandarin to practice with the child. Right. So I feel like, you know, I've heard, you know, lassoing programs in Wyoming. And then, you know, in urban areas, there's often opportunities, you know, for older kids to go on college campuses, which was like the program that I did with middle schoolers, or to go into libraries, or maybe to, you know, literally work in an office. So, um, so I think that you don't want it to be one size fits all. And I think in after school, there's a real opportunity to think about each child as individual and unique. And then, you know, each program is individual and unique. And, of course, there's some commonalities. You know, that we know that for high-quality programs, there's some basic things. You know, attendance matters. If kids are coming, they're going to do better. Um, we know that the more the program, and it doesn't have to be school-based, but the more it aligns with what's happening in school. So if kids are studying chemistry, maybe you do forensics, but things that help complement and reinforce what's going on in school, you know, that's a big plus, too. Um, 
you know, staff development, professional development, big plus. So there, there's a bunch of, you know, most, I say, you know, almost all the programs out there have some kind of physical activity, and we know how important that is to kids' physical and mental health to be, whether it's a walking club or whether it's non-competitive sports for the kid that isn't going to be the varsity athlete but still wants to play baseball. You know, we want right. them to have those opportunities. Yeah, funny, this is the third show in a row where physical education has – or fit, teens and kids being physical has come up. It's not only absolutely important, but kind of a detriment this day and age. Yes, and and I think it's something that you know, as adults we know it too. It's you want it to become a lifelong habit. You know, I I know that yeah. you know exercise is as important to mental health and functioning as it is to you know physical fitness. So of course you know there's a whole driving healthcare costs down, but it's also you know letting kids have an avenue where they let off steam. And I think after-school programs can be so creative in that where, you know, I've heard everything from walking clubs to kids that have personal trainers at the Y to, you know, some of the less formal um, actual teams where kids are playing soccer or softball or baseball or golf or tennis and um, really learning how to be part of that team and the benefit of it without the pressure of, you know, what we're finding is more and more of our kids, either it's pay to play so they can't play or you, if you're not good enough, you get cut out as you get older. So far, what I've heard is that one of the, some of the benefits uh, to teens for after school programs uh, is they're more flexible than maybe the traditional school setting and thereby there's more buy-in potentially oh, by the teens. The, yeah, and the best programs that teens have a say in in what in the curriculum because that's how you know yeah. these are voluntary programs the kids have to want to come, and for little kids you know they're pretty much going to come and and truthfully little kids are easier to engage, for the teenagers it needs to be very thoughtful and you know other big things for the teens in addition to you know jobs sports um, really um, service learning. So giving teens a chance to tackle real problems and come up with solutions. And when you see that, it gives me so much faith in our future. Yeah, I mean, so many of our kids have great ideas, and they need to have a place where they can develop those ideas and they can share those ideas. So we even have places where, you know, city governments, you know, a bunch of teens are coming in and trying to help solve problems. Well, it's funny because uh, I reflect back to when I was teaching high school. There was a problem with teens feeling connected to what you were talking about, whatever it was. It, it just wasn't always the relevance. And what you're talking about is they're coming up with a program, or at least they're involved in it. And so they're connected to uh, their own part in it. And so they, that, those, are, those are lifelong lessons that they're learning as they're realizing that they have power over all kinds of things that they didn't realize they did before. I say even in after school, you know, as we've been facing some of the greatest challenges to after school that we've ever faced as a field, you know, elimination of the program, some of those youth voices are what help save the programs because kids are seen as genuine and thoughtful and they don't have, you know, an ulterior agenda. And so when they can honestly speak about why these programs are important to them, um, when they can show up at town hall meetings, when they can write letters to the editor, uh, it makes a big difference. Well, and let's talk about that. And you and I talked for a moment on the phone before I, I hit record. And one of the, let's talk about 2017 in the state of 
um, after school uh, resources in this day and age. Of course, um, we have a new president, we have new agendas. And so what, what, what is the, what's going on in 2017 with uh, funding for after school programs? Right. So, well, we did, we did a study. So this, this came out in 2014. And in 2014, we, knew, we found out that there were 10.2 million kids in after school programs, which wow. is an all time high. When we did the study in 2004, it was just over 6 million. Um, and as what we're finding is the demand for after-school programs continues to increase. And I think that's because there's more and more knowledge about the quality of these programs and the difference they make and that they're not just child care but really providing opportunities for our kids. But what we also found out in that study is that the parents of almost 20 million additional kids want these programs for them and they just don't exist in their communities or they can't afford them. So we have a long way to go. And one of the things that I focus on in my work is a federal funding stream that is exclusively dedicated to before school, after, and summer learning programs. So the after-school funding stream is very important and it um, it's currently at just over a billion dollars and serves about 1.6 million kids. So, um, so for those kids, for their parents, this is a lifeline. And right. we've been very concerned because there's been a lot of budget cuts and after school has consistently been on the chopping block. And, you know, the president, when he came out with his what they call skinny budget, his budget outline in March, um, he proposed complete elimination of the program. Oh my so that gosh. would mean, you know, all of these kids, all of these families would lose their programs. And, um, and I think it was a huge wake-up call to all of us um, because if these programs go away, many of the communities um, will not be able to replace them. And how does that wake-up call help? I mean, is there, is there a positive side of that wake Sometimes we need to be woken up, right? So as I was, I was telling you, you know, we are, we are making lemonade out of these lemons. <laughs> and I think, the, um, I think the good news is that we have great after-school programs all across this country, rural communities, suburban communities, urban communities. And, and this was a wake-up call. So people started speaking out. You know, we had over 50,000 letters to Congress um, from parents, from kids, from after-school providers, from community leaders. Um, we had a lot of, um, you know, famous people talking about their after-school experiences. We had a wonderful summit at um, the University of Southern California that Arnold Schwarzenegger hosted with celebrities like um, J.J. Watt and Van Jones and Mario Lopez all talking about the value and power of after-school. We're also very lucky because I think what really makes these programs special is when you can see them and when you can see what's going on. And for a long time, our programs, um, and we've been working with our programs, um, have been inviting policymakers to come see what they do. And as a result of that, this is really not a partisan issue. In a town that is so partisan, we have champions from the far right to the far left who see the difference that after-school programs make in their communities. And right. I think, you know, one of the first things that happened in the House when the cut came out was Congressman Lou Barletta, who is a Republican from Pennsylvania and was actually the first Republican to endorse Donald Trump, when he was running for president, came out and said, I'm going to fight this cut 
tooth and nail because my community depends on it. Um, yeah. And so, and then he and David Cicilline, who's a Republican, I mean Republican, um, he and David Cicilline, a Democrat from Rhode Island, um, pulled together and they got 81 members of the House of Representatives to say, please don't cut this program. Um, we've also been fortunate because these programs, um, they make good television. So, you know, TV reporters went out. And, um, and I encourage all your listeners to invite cameras out to these programs, and they see the kids in action. They see the educators who are spectacular. They talk to the parents, and it's impossible to argue that these programs aren't making right. a difference. And that was, right. you know, the rationale. The White House was saying there's no evidence that these programs make a difference, and they're relying on a very old, flawed study that is um, – you know, more than a decade old, and we were able to get out, you know, immediately with data that shows that these yeah. programs have an impact, um, you know, academically, but also well beyond academics. So in a way, it's been an opportunity to sort of showcase the, the success of these many, many, many different it's programs. It's been a huge opportunity, and we've had media coverage, you know, in every state in the country, and we need to keep that up. So, you know, the, the Congress just um, agreed to, they haven't passed it yet, um, hopefully by the time this airs it will have passed, a budget for... 2017, um, so not even, you know, the, the new budget that the president proposed the previous year, and in a bipartisan effort, they increased funding for after school by $25 million. Um, so nice. that is a huge win, and that means that, you know, 25,000 more kids are going to be able to attend after school programs next year, um, which is really exciting. So if we really keep up this momentum, maybe we can make it even bigger. Maybe we can take this proposed cut to shine a light, to really highlight what's happening at these programs and get bipartisan members of Congress to increase it even more. So it sounds initially like that's what's happening, but that's just the rest of the 2017 budget. Yeah, so and and I, think, I think for those of us in Washington, you know, the 2017 budget, right, this is a budget that started in October 2016. So Congress wants to finish this budget and start working on the next budget. And I think the President and the White House are going to weigh in much more heavily on the next budget because okay. this is the one that – you know, is during their tenure. And some of this is, is really a holdout from the last administration. So I would not underestimate the administration in fighting for the cuts. Um, you know, right. I think we have to take everything the White House says literally. Um, and I'm, I'm hopeful that we can persuade them to become champions of after school too. But in the meantime, right. um, these threats to the program are very real, and it's absolutely essential that we don't lose our momentum, that we keep – you know, the stories in the news that we keep reaching out to policymakers. And I would say it's also an opportunity for all of your listeners to focus beyond federal because there's federal funding for after school. And then in the state of California, there's some significant funding for after school. There's a couple of cities like New York City that have some real funding for after school. But in most of the country, there aren't state dollars and there aren't local dollars. And this is an opportunity to really start reaching out to some of those 20 million kids that need programs by creating some state and local support for them as well. Right. So this short-term victory, this isn't a, an opportunity for us to be complacent. It's an opportunity to really pour on the pressure. Exactly. And, how would, this, and, how, and it's a how, sign. Sorry, this is a sign, right, that not only can we not be complacent, that when we can generate 50,000 letters in a couple of weeks to Congress, when we can get 
our parents and our kids and our educators to show up at town hall meetings and talk to their legislators about after school, when we can get op-eds in the paper, when we can get on the news, we can really move the ball and do something positive. I love that. I, and I like to give people something to do. And of course, you said like cameras, but what else? I mean, what's, what's something that somebody could do just right now? They, they have 15 minutes and they could do letters, emails, anything like that? Yeah, letters, emails, calls to Congress. I mean, and I would say anyone that is actually attending an after school program, I would invite um, local, state, federal leaders to come see your program. For everyone else, I think writing, writing your member of Congress and your senators saying, please support after school programs, uh, they make a huge difference in our lives. That simple um, actually makes a huge difference. You know, and, and listener, you might be thinking, well, they would never be interested in, you know, me inviting them. But you might be surprised because it might be a, an opportunity for a congressperson who wants to support uh, a chance to come see a program. And um, who knows, your invite might be perfectly timed. And, and you, know, you could have the kids invite them, too, because the truth is it, it could be perfectly timed if you do it right. And we have toolkits on our website, so www.afterschoolalliance.org, on how to do a site visit. You can invite the media. The member of Congress gets good coverage, meeting with kids, talking to parents. Um, so it can be a win for everyone. And not to mention, Jody, it's a lot easier to say no to adults for these people than it is for them to say no to kids. So, yeah, exactly. get your kids involved. And, 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 and kids should know um, they can make a difference. I mean, that, that, that's a lesson to be learned. Just, I mean, I can tell you that, you know, we just won this huge victory if the new spending bill passes for $25 million increase for after school. I can tell you that a month ago we thought we were going to see a cut. And so the House bill had frozen after school, no increases, no cuts. The Senate bill had actually cut it by $100 million, a 10% cut. And we were being told by everyone that in this budget environment, there was, you know, we might see the full 10% cut, they might split the difference, but, you know, it was looking pretty grim and the kids were going to lose their services. And the reason we saved that program was because of the outcry of people that called their members and really said, we can't lose these programs. So the voices of parents, the voices of kids really matter. Yeah, they always matter, but right now it sounds like super critical. I'm sorry, and members have to prioritize because it's not that anybody dislikes after school, but we have to get them to the point where they really champion it. I love it. Great conversation, Jody. I love the work that you're doing. Our time is up, but I, I wanted to um, ask you, how can people you know, connect with you, find out the work that you're doing, and perhaps um, support it? Oh, we would, I would encourage everyone to go to our website, www.afterschoolalliance.org. We have alerts that you can sign up for, so especially when we really need people to reach out to members of Congress, it will tell you when to do that. It will make it very simple. You check a box, and there's a form letter that you can send as is or edit it if you want, um, and it will tell you all the updates of what's going on all around the country. So I would encourage all of your listeners to go to our site. It can also help you with sample letters to the editors, um, workshops, toolkits on how to do a site visit, and um, hopefully we can not only keep up the momentum, but take it up a notch. That sounds wonderful. I, I, I just want to personally thank you, Jody, for the tireless work uh, for after-school programs. I'm right there with you. I, I'm a supporter, and any way I can help you, just let me know. Thank you very much. All right. Thanks for being on the show, and I look forward to seeing more funding for after-school. Excellent. Me too. 
Just a wonderful conversation there with Jody Grant, uh, talking about after-school programs and the importance. And I think, you know, quite honestly, they're becoming even more important as our educational needs change in this country. After-school programs, they're more flexible. They adapt uh, well to the needs and the desires of your kids. So, But they need your support right now more than ever. And um, Jody, of course, offering ways that you can uh, become involved, that you can make a change, and your voice really does matter, uh, especially if you've got a group of kids. Get them involved. Have them uh, write notes themselves. And I really do believe that Congress people respond well to uh, kids when they uh, express their needs. Sometimes they just need to formulate what is going on, how these after-school programs have changed their lives, and um, getting that information to Congress people. Now it's more important than ever. So glad that you can join me again this week. Listen, if you're interested in becoming an O-Shift for Teens facilitator of our workshop kits, well, head to O-Shift.com and uh, go to the facilitator tab and find out how easy and inexpensive it is. Soon you'll be facilitating life-changing material um, that you didn't even have to write. It's been tried, it's been tested, and it's being used by facilitators all over the world, beyond the United States as well. Um, so uh, check it out. If you have questions, be sure to email me at marketoshift.com. Everything we do here is to support you and to support your work with teens and adults. And so make sure that you're uh, taking advantage of all the support that we have to offer and wonderful experts like Jody Grant this week and uh, two weeks ago, uh, Dr. Fletcher, and on and on and on. So glad that you could join me again this week, and I look forward to seeing you again in two weeks. Bye-bye.